Enter the creative world of Mind Your Own Marketing Business. Explore a variety of trends in the creative landscape, getting insider knowledge and advice from the industry's best. George is proud to present Mind Your Own Marketing Business with host Tim Barstas. Thank you for joining us on the Mind Your Own Marketing Business Podcast. I'm Tim Barsis, founder of Web and Mobile Development Team Fjordge, and today on our show we will be talking with Adam Thompson um, about the SSL security certificate provider, the SSL store. Welcome to the show, Adam. Thanks so much for having me on. So Adam, can you tell us your role with the SSL store? Yeah, so I'm the SEO and SEM manager. Uh, so I'm managing digital marketing efforts and uh, projects for them. Got it. And um, how did, tell me about how you came to join the SSL store. Yeah, so you know I've been in digital marketing for a long time now. Um, I started in high school. Uh, owned a owned a few different websites back then, and did some freelancing work and stuff. Um, and then you know it just kind of grew. And in my early twenties, uh, I launched a digital marketing agency in partnership with my older brother, um, and was in in the agency game for about a decade. Um, and then just last year, uh, I decided to, to make the switch and move to the in-house side of marketing management. Um, and just this year, ended up here at the SSL store. So how has that transition gone from you, from the agency world to, to in-house? Yeah, you know, it's an, it's an interesting transition. Um, and for me, it's, it's mostly positive, definitely. You know, what I'd say about the, the agency world, just to sum it up, is it's fast and it's exciting. Um, you know, you're always, always doing something new. You're working on 50 different projects at once um, for all different kinds of clients. But there's also uh, a fair bit of stress involved with that, you know, just needing to get projects done yesterday. Um, and, you know, for, from the client perspective, there's always a new agency that's offering, that's claiming to offer better results for less money. Um, so as an agency, you got to work really hard to, to keep and get new clients. How did you find yourself uh, managing that stress level in the, in the agency world? Yeah, um, you know, I think a big key there is having, um, having the, the right people working with you, you know, having people that are good at what they do and that you can kind of delegate some of that, um, some of the, the responsibility and the stress of chasing those things too. And you were uh, a co-founder in, in your agency? That's right, yeah. Okay. Um, it sounded like with your brother, if I heard that correctly. That is correct. Yeah, okay. we were, uh, yeah, we were real close growing up. Um, in high school, we, we had another business together, um, uh, old school business. We were selling uh, produce and baked goods at the local farmer's market. Um, so, you know, we, we moved from that all the way to digital marketing. So qu quite the jump there. What did you learn in your, your baked goods uh, business that translated to your, your agency business? You know, in a way, I'd, I'd have to say it's almost the other way around. Um, Although, I mean, we definitely learned some stuff in the, the produce business. I'd say one of the, the big things we learned there was just some basic sales skills, uh, talking to people, finding out what they wanted and, and selling them the right solution, whether it's a tomato or, a, you know, a loaf of bread or later on a, a digital marketing package. But kind of ironically, looking back, I realized with what I now know about marketing, I could have made the, the farmer's marketing business a lot more successful. Uh, but I, I don't really have any regrets. Um, uh, you know, I'm I'm very happy with the industry I've ended up in. So you're not gonna you're not gonna go back to back to your roots? I don't think so. No. <laughs> um. So, 
how long have you been at the SSL store? I've only been here four months, so oh. I'm uh, I'm new to the game. What are your big initiatives right now? Well, um, you know, one of the big things that's going on in the industry is Google, particularly Google Chrome, is making some changes from the browser perspective. Uh, so last year, Google Chrome and Firefox started displaying um, not secure warnings on websites that were HTTP if they had a, you know, a form that, that took in sensitive information. So like if there was a login form that asked for your password and it was on an HTTP URL, um, the, the browser would, would mark that page as not secure. Google's really kind of taking that a few steps further and they're gonna start marking all web pages that are HTTP as not secure. So that's pushing a lot of webmasters to go ahead and you know, flip that switch and jump over to HTTPS. Do you agree with that that shift in thinking? I do, yeah. I think it's good. Um, one thing I would like to highlight just for webmasters that are thinking about this is to to realize that making the switch to HTTPS isn't, isn't the whole website security uh, focus or, or package. It's really just one step. So yeah, go ahead and make that switch, but also be, be looking at other stuff as far as defending your site against hackers and defending your users against fishers and, and other threats that are out there. And I know we'll get, we'll be getting into one of those, um, one of those options later in the show, but what, uh, what, th what other things should webmasters be doing to secure their site? Yeah. I mean, one of the things right off to look at is just password um, security. Are you selecting secure passwords? And are you requiring that all of your users um, select secure passwords? Another basic thing is uh, the pr actually the protection on your local machine. Because one way that hackers um, get access to your website is by getting malware on your computer that can then scrape your, you know, whatever access details you have saved uh, locally there. Another big thing is just updates you know especially if you're using a platform like wordpress keep the the software and any plugins and themes up to date so you've got the latest security uh, releases so do you consider your com company a security company yeah you know uh, we are a cybersecurity company uh the kind of the vision uh for the company is that we want to create a world where cybersecurity is simple, seamless, and affordable for all. Now, that, that's a huge vision, um, and we're, we're really focused mostly on the web aspect of that. But absolutely, yeah, uh, cybersecurity is our, our goal. We want to make it easy and simple. Got it. So, so um, back to Adam, what does your day-to-day -day look like right now? Yeah, so, I mean, day-to-day -day for me is really, um, you know, dealing with a an e-commerce website and marketing for that so it could be you know con a content marketing campaign that i'm working on it could be optimization of adwords or bing ads um it could be seo work it could be working on the email marketing uh for the month there's a lot of different uh you know a lot of different channels and, and metrics um that that one has to work with. Of course, for, for me, a lot of times my day starts I either in Google Analytics or in Microsoft Power BI, uh, just so that I can jump in and see what's working, uh, what's not working, what maybe needs a little attention or analysis, and then roll from there. And you, you use Power BI to aggregate your data? Yeah, so I use Power BI uh, mainly for our in-house data. Um, so our, our revenue and sales data, 
I import that into Microsoft Power BI so that I can just really quickly visualize that um, and look at trends as far as products and, and stores and, and different aspects that I want to look at and, and see how they're performing. Let's say you have a, um, a dashboard that you look at every morning, like you say, how often do you come in and something's completely fallen off unexpectedly? Um, more than once, <laughs> not every day, you know, um, yeah, it, it happens. Um, I don't know, every couple of weeks, maybe something like that. You know, sometimes it's a Google analytics tracking code got, you know, messed up. Other times it was a, a holiday in Europe that I forgot to account for, um, you know, and, and caught me by surprise. So, you know, the morning revenue was down, something like that, you know, particularly in a, in a global marketing campaign. There's just so many factors, um, you know, that, that drive those metrics. And whenever you see one that's not where you expect it to be and you dig in, there's there's just all kinds of different answers you can end up with. And that's part of what keeps it, you know, fun and exciting. One of the things that I like to tell people is, you know, if, if this were super easy, one, two, three, well, we wouldn't have jobs, would we? Yeah, totally. Um, so does the SSL store actually issue certificates or are you um, s selling certificates that other people issue? Yeah, we don't actually issue certificates ourselves. Um, we resell on behalf of all of the major certificate authorities um, like Komodo and Symantec and others. Got it. Um, so let's get into that. Um, as you as you resell those certificates, is there is there a value add or what? Um, where do you guys kind of sit in the market? Yeah, definitely a, a value added reseller. Uh, one of the big things that we provide is uh, support, uh, you know, twenty four seven support to all of our customers, and that includes our um, our direct retail customers as well as um, our resellers which we provide APIs and, and various uh, types of support and plugins for to really make their, their jobs easier, make it easier for them to get uh, SSL certificates delivered to their end users. At the end of the day, is the, a user buying the same certificate they would buy um, if they went directly to something like Thought? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. They're buying. If you go directly to, you know, a brand like Thought and buy it versus buying from us, you're going to get the exact same certificate um, issued, you know, from their servers with us. Um, you'll probably get, you know, you'll probably get some better support. You're definitely going to get some some value adds um, and you're generally going to pay less. Also, Yeah, I was going to say my experience is you get a better price, too. Um, That's definitely true. I'm uh, I'm. Curious though, so um, my, you know, I've I've used your products in the past. My experience is that you buy from the SSL store, then you go through Thought in order to get the certificate issued. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So you purchase from us, and then we have a, a backend connection basically to the certificate authority that then triggers the verification process and issuance direct from them. So there, there's no middleman as far as the security is concerned, and the issuance is direct from the certificate authority to you. Got it. Um, and you, you had mentioned that, you know, an SSL certificate isn't the only thing that you should be doing to secure your website. Um, how would you describe what an SSL certificate actually does? Yeah, so the, I think the simplest way to describe it is really that the SSL certificate encrypts the connection between the website user and the website. Um, it doesn't encrypt the, the backend database of the website or the, the code of the website itself. It encrypts the, the connection between them. So when 
when a user's on your website and they enter in their information and they click submit, the SSL certificate encrypts that from their computer to your server so that nobody can do what's called a man-in-the-middle attack and spy on that data as it's, as it's you know, moving through the Internet and, and get your credit card details or, or whatever other data might be in it. Right, totally. So it, it protects everything in transit, which um, is important, but as you mentioned, might not even be the, the most important thing that has to do with, with your data. Um, what else should, should webmasters be doing? Yeah, you know, webmasters should definitely be very concerned about the security of the data once it gets to their um, to their website, to their database, to their servers. SSL encryption protects it until it gets there, but then once it's on your server, you really need to be looking at security from that point onward. Um, you know, whenever we read in the news about data breaches and um, you know, private data that got out, whether it's the Home Depot breach or the, the Yahoo breach or uh, the, the Target breach, um, typically that data is being stolen from the company's servers one way or another. So some of the big things that companies should really be, be concerned about is, number one, are they encrypting uh, sensitive data on their servers? Um, you know, if you have social security numbers or credit card data or anything that's uh, sensitive like that stored on your server, it needs to be encrypted in the database. Um, another thing that they should really look at is all of the, the vectors that hackers can use to access their server or, or database, whether it's, you know, SQL injection or um, any of the other attacks that hackers use regularly to get into those databases and steal data. Got it. Um, have you seen any changes relating to uh, GDPR being relevant to your business? So GDPR does have uh, some guidelines in it that are relevant, but they're, they're smaller and they haven't yet gotten a lot of focus. GDPR has some uh, some sections in it that basically say that data processors and controllers have to take suitable uh, steps to protect the security of their data, such as encryption. Um, so companies really need to be looking at the data that they're processing and saying what you know what are suitable steps to protect this data. Um, you know, if it's a, a credit card or a, a social security number, obviously some very high. Uh, security steps should be in place to protect that. If it's less sensitive data, there should still be some security steps in place to protect that. At least encryption in transit, so SSL, to protect you know the data as it's being transmitted to your server. And then really you need protection in place on your server also. Um, and not just one thing, you know, you want what's called defense in depth, which is multiple layers of security so that if one fails, there's another behind it. Um, one kind of fun or bad fact, depending on how you look at it, about a lot of these um, uh, data breaches that we read about is a lot of times it was just one layer of security that failed and they didn't have enough layers. Um, so attacker got through one and then got through their second and the, the, you know, then they were in the data. Uh, whereas if they'd had, you know, say five or six layers of security in place, a good defense in depth strategy, they could have stopped the attacker and protected that data. Totally. Um, there are free services out there that issue SSL certificates. I'm curious why someone should pay for an SSL certificate. 
Yeah, so a lot of users are using uh, those free certificates, particularly for maybe a small personal website. But a lot of companies, they want to purchase a certificate from a known certificate authority in part so they can demonstrate to their customers that, you know, we're serious about, about security. We've invested in keeping your data secured by purchasing an SSL certificate from this, you know, well-known uh, brand and, and certificate authority. Got it. So it's, it's exemplifying that a free certificate might not adequately represent your brand. Right. Okay, perfect. Um, well, let's move into a couple news stories. Our first story today um, is from the Komodo SSL store. I believe that's written by you. Um, let's see, it's titled, What We Learned About WordPress Security from Crawling 24,000 Websites. Yeah, yeah, that was a fun one to work on. All right, so Adam, you wrote that story. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we just built a, a simple crawler to check just a couple different uh, security, uh, you know, features or items related to WordPress, you know, because WordPress is by a huge margin the most used uh, website platform or, or CMS there is, um, you know, just used by a ton of small websites, but also some larger websites. Um, so what we did is we, we crawled all these websites, and, and two of the factors that we really looked at was, first of all, what version of WordPress are they using? You know, how up-to-date are they? And then we also looked to see uh, how many were using HTTP for their website versus how many were using HTTPS. Got it. And what did you find? Yes, yeah, so the, uh, the, the HTTPS usage didn't surprise us too much. Basically, the majority of top websites, like uh, you know, top 10,000 websites by traffic, are using HTTPS, whereas the majority of smaller websites haven't really made that jump yet. Uh, you know, we expect to see that needle start moving once Google Chrome rolls out this update, uh, marking HTTP websites as not secure. Uh, but possibly the, the more interesting thing that we found was a, around the WordPress versions being used. Uh, right around half of the websites were using the latest version, which at the time we did the study was 4.9.5. Uh, 15% were using the previous version, which was 4.9.4. But just over a third or 34% of them were using versions that were uh, two versions or earlier. So there are a lot of websites that are using uh, an outdated version of WordPress, uh, which if they're using an outdated version of WordPress, they're probably using outdated versions of the plugins and themes also. Um, and the, basically, you know, when you're using outdated versions like that, there, there's a, a, a decent possibility that you've got a security vulnerability in those older versions that's been patched in the new ones. So essentially those versions outline either an issue or likely a security vulnerability that, that has been updated. So these are vulnerabilities that are, that are now known in the wild. Yeah, so I mean the new versions either come out for new features, to fix bugs, and or to fix uh, security vulnerabilities. And if you want to, there's an open source uh, database out there that tracks WordPress vulnerabilities for you know the core software, plugins, and themes. There's over 11,000 listed in that database. Um, so, I mean, you could you can theoretically go through and, and look and see a lot of the vulnerabilities that were present and then were fixed in, a, in an update. But from the average site user's perspective or the average, you know, WordPress site owner's perspective, it's not really worth your time to go out and see, you know, about those updates. Just install the updates. Stay up to date 
um, so that any of them do, do fix security issues, you'll have the latest with that patch in it. Because they what won't always publicly announce that there's a security fix either. If they can just quietly fix it and never tell anybody, that can be helpful because um, if they believe that the hackers don't yet know about that, um, that security issue, they may not want to announce it uh, and tell the hackers, basically. Totally. What do you th- What do you think the reason is that people don't update? I think part of it is uh, concerns about compatibility, or you know maybe they've customized the plugin, and so if they did an update, it might overwrite their customizations. I think a ton of it though is just not being aware, not checking, not having a, a schedule in place to to go in and update WordPress, you know, just kind of set it and forget it. And what do, um, what should people do to kind of remediate that? What, I mean, aside from developing an internal process to, um, to take care of those issues, what, what can people do? Yeah. I mean, an internal process is great. Um, you know, logging into the dashboard, the, the WP admin dashboard and seeing, you know, there'll be in a little, uh, an alert up there at the top of your admin dashboard showing you how many updates, um, that can be helpful. Um, you know, just, and then from a development standpoint, there's things that you can do too, as far as following best practices so that you're not updating core code. Um, so, you know, if, if you've downloaded and installed a theme and you want to customize it, create a child theme to customize it so that later you can update the, you know, the core theme without being concerned about overriding your customizations. Right. Totally. Um, all right. Our second st- story today. Um, let's see. It's titled e-commerce SEO checklist, 20 essential tactics. Adam, can you tell me about this article? Yeah, absolutely. So this was uh, actually a guest post that I wrote for the for the Wish Pond blog, um, and it's just you know it, it's kind of a a short list, I guess, of some of my favorite e-commerce SEO tactics that I've used over the years. Um, you know, tactics that are specific for e-commerce versus being more more generally targeted. And which of these tactics has been most critical to your success? You know what it's. A, that's an interesting question because what I find is that more and more with uh, Google Rank Brain and with a lot of the uh, the artificial intelligence and how dynamic Google rankings are now and Google ranking algorithms, I find it it's often very difficult to point at one one tactic and say this did exactly uh, you know exactly these results. It's hard to kind of silo it out like that. Totally. That makes sense. So you have to make sure that you check most, if not all of these boxes. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I think SEO is just becoming more and more holistic. You know, I remember back when we got in the game, um, you know, over a decade ago now, you know, you could come into a website and you could change the title tag and it could go from ranking, you know, uh, not in the top hundred to ranking in the top five for a, you know, competitive keyword, or you could come in and drop in a handful of exact match anchor text links and, you know, just shoot a side up in the rankings. Things are a lot more holistic now. And, you know, you, you need those, you know, you need backlinks, you need optimized page titles, but you need good content, you need good, good user engagement, um, good user experience, all these other things, um, some of which are hard to, harder to quantify. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm curious if if I were an, an e-commerce company, and this this article just kind of made me think of this. Um, at what point do let's say a revenue point, do I um, transition from being an e-commerce founder who also does SEO to having a full-time SEO person? Yeah, you know, that's uh, that's uh, honestly a tough question to answer. I think part of it is going to depend on, you know, what your profit margins are. It's going to depend on um, kind of what your goals are. I mean, the simplest answer is when you have the revenue and the workload to support it, that's a great time to do it. Um, you know, if you've got the revenue to hire somebody and you think that there's enough work uh, to do either through content marketing or, you know, earning editorial backlinks um, or, you know, adding content for new products that, a, you know, a full-time person can come on and, and really handle, um, you know, go ahead, take the jump. Totally. Absolutely. Uh, and we are out of time, so that is it for today on the Mind Your Own Marketing Business podcast. Thanks for joining us today, Adam. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It was great to have you. You can find Adam on LinkedIn or Twitter at, at Adam J. Thompson. Um, you can email him at adam.thompson at the SSLstore.com. Uh, and thanks to our listeners for joining us. You can download episodes of the program by going to fjordsdigital.com slash mindyourownmarketingbusiness or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio.